Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Today is Monday, May 3rd, and you are listening to Rocket City Lift. everyone, welcome back to Rocket City Lift. I'm Tara Bulger. And I'm Brett Goodman. We come to you three times a week and try to bring a bit of a spiritual lift to your day. We are looking at the post-resurrection experiences of Jesus, and we'll be looking at the new disciples in Acts today. But before that, let us begin with prayer. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you that you bring all people to your throne. You bring all people to the foot of the cross. You bring all of us to redemption. God, you are a God who welcomes in those in the furthest ends of the earth because they are all your beloved children. We are all your beloved children. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Our first passage is from the 15th chapter of Acts verses 1 through 18. Certain individuals came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to discuss this question with the apostles and the elders. So they were sent on their way by the church. As they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, they reported the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the believers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and said, It is necessary for them to be circumcised in order to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders met together to consider this matter. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, My brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that I should be the one through whom the Gentiles would hear the message of the good news and become believers. And God, who knows the human heart, testified to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And in cleansing their hearts by faith, he has made no distinction between them and us. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing on the neck of the disciples a yoke that neither our ancestors nor we have been able to bear? On the contrary, we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. Well, the whole assembly kept silence and listened to Barnabas and Paul as they told of all the signs and wonders that God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they finished speaking, James replied, My brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first looked favorably on the Gentiles to take from among them a people for his name. This agrees with the words of the prophets, as it is written, After this I will return, and I will rebuild the dwelling of David, which has fallen. From its ruins I will rebuild it, and I will set it up, so that all other peoples may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles over whom my name has been called. Thus says the Lord, who has been making these things known from long ago. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. 
Tara, in this story, we have uh, some of these new believers, these new followers of Christ that come from the sect of the Pharisees, and circumcision is super important to them. Why Why did they think that new believers had to be circumcised? Why was this of the utmost importance to them? So it's really about following the law. Um, if you'll remember in the Old Testament that... God called people to follow his law, and as a sign that they would be God's people and follow that law, they circumcised um, men and boys. And so I think for this part, this sect, um, what they are saying is, we had to follow the law and be circumcised. You should too. Um, Now, we know the law is good, and we certainly hope to follow the law. But what Peter also points out is that none of us follow the law perfectly, um, that circumcision is simply a sign, and that while it may a good be a good and worthy sign of one's intention to follow God, it isn't necessary. And so to say to a new believer, you have to be circumcised, is to make it harder on them than it needs to be. And that also, it's interesting, it's, um, to say that to a new believer Peter points out, is to test God because it makes God's work harder of calling that person into the life of faith. At least that's what I think on a slow Monday morning. What do you think? (laughs) Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah, in the um, new believers and the Pharisees, their holy scripture, it has when Abraham makes a covenant with God, he is, he circumcises himself and, and, and the and his, his household. So that is part of their mm-hmm. scripture and their tradition. Um, and, and so that's what they've, they've been a part of. They think that this is the, um, they think that this one aspect of God's saving story and God's covenant, uh, is, is vitally important. Um, and, and yeah, Peter's making the argument that, you know, maybe this isn't the most important thing. Maybe this is, as you said, a sign, a reminder of God's covenant that this isn't through which God's covenant comes to us, but a reminder. Also, I mean, let's be real. There's a huge difference uh, when you have been born into this community and you're circumcised as a child. Did as an adult. And when, you, <laughs> when you are an adult's convert. Never um, has a truer story been said. Yeah, I think that's very true. And uh, imagine it this way. We would love for you to join us here at First Presbyterian Church. But I'm going to need you to keep all the laws of the Old Testament, and we're going to need to circumcise you. Mm -hmm. That's a barrier. Mm -hmm. And, you know, once Christ came into the world, it's belief in Christ and a willingness to follow and a recognition that through nothing we have done, we're actually offered salvation and community. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a hard one to swallow. It's, it's a hard one to swallow, but I, um, maybe this is just my, uh, Presbyterian convert zeal that I love so much, but I mean, this really is what, what's happening here is the, the church, the leaders of the church are essentially in a committee, uh, debating how scripture is supposed to work out in their lives. And, and again, the Pharisees have a fair argument that this is part of their scripture. That, and there, it's not like this is something completely absurd. Um, but uh, so often it seems like to me when I'm in uh, committees that um, when we're really arguing or discussing, debating, working through a difficult issue, 
it just seems like there's always one person that speaks up and the spirit is speaking through them and it changes the whole conversation. And uh, and I love that about our committees because it's always a different person. It's not mm-hmm. like the same person mm-hmm. speaks up. A, a different person will speak up and say something. And I just feel like the spirit is moving. And I think that's what's happening uh, with, with Paul. When, when he gets up and he, and he speaks this line, he brings a new lens to the debate that um, all of a sudden grace and love become it, go, it moves from a theological idea to a personal uh, mm-hmm. idea and, and I just I just love that 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 scene that I can picture there you know what else I kept thinking is we have this idea in the church that we don't like conflict and everything we should just agree right I hate conflict but guess what from the beginning of the church one of the ways we've discerned God's will is through argument and debate mm-hmm. it's just true mm-hmm. struggling it out mm-hmm. um, wrestling right I Israel. mean Israel <laughs> it means you know, to wrestle with God and so I think that's a um, that is a false expectation and it's a troubling one mm. because once we set that expectation then having robust debate seems like the wrong thing yeah. and it's actually not the wrong thing it's part of how we figure out where we're going now i'm a debater right i really <laughs> enjoy that sort of thing um but i i do think it's true and we really see it here well it's what it's what we've talked about before it's one aspect of being a christian that is um you know we want everything to be lovely and mm-hmm. but you know that there are easy. and easy but there are things that are that you struggle with that are difficult uh but in my mind that produces like paul says endurance um yep. that 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 struggle with community um and and what an incredible practice of when you're arguing with people debating with people who you believe are followers of christ even though you have you know, polar opposite opinions. What an opportunity to practice love and grace for when you're out in the world and someone uh, you're you're talking with has a completely different, you know, ontological starting point uh, for you to know how to love and provide grace with them. Yes. I also want to just add one more thing that it is pointed out, you know, I should have looked up this verse, but I don't think ahead. (laughs) It also says in the Old Testament that what God really wants is a circumcision of our heart. God wants our hearts changed, not necessarily our bodies. And this clearly points out that only God can know the human heart. And we have to trust who God is calling. And from the beginning, we have had the expectation that God would call all into the church. Um, So I just think that's an interesting thing to point out. And I will end with a quote from the great T.S. Eliot, who said, The true church can never fail, for it is based upon a rock. Mm. That's just like the the definition of a poet when one line can just have yes, so much Yes, that says weight. everything. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> Thank you all for being with us. We'll be back on Wednesday. Now may each of you go out to love and to serve, to be well. To care for yourselves and others, knowing that the grace and love of God is ever, ever upon you. Amen. Amen.